Hello and welcome to Full Contact Nerd, where we talk about fiction and storytelling in all its forms. From the weird to the fantastic, horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, mysteries, anything you can ask for, we have it. I'm Chris Alvarez, and thank you for listening. I'm speaking to Kaylin Worth, author of The Not-So-Quiet Life of Calamity Jane, published January 20th, 2021, by by Five Star Publishing. Uh, thank you for speaking with me. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, I'll start by uh, noting, you in your email, you did note that uh, usually I interview fantasy, sci-fi, and horror authors, um, which is correct. Um, however, this podcast is about fiction, about the creation of fiction in all its forms, and I do love uh, other types of fiction, you know, historical novels, westerns, mystery, uh, thrillers. So, um, so I'm really, so I'm glad to be speaking to you about this, uh, this novel. Um, first, as a writer with all the ideas going through your head, why did, uh, how did this idea, this historical novel of Calamity Jane rise above the rest? Well, I have had for a long time an interest in stories of the frontier and mm-hmm. the American West. And I studied it actually as, as a grad student, the Great Plains and Western literature. Mm-hmm. So I was, of course, familiar with Calamity Jane and many Western stories. But then I joined an organization called Women Writing the West, mm-hmm. where we delve into thinking about how women's stories were told in the Western narrative. And I was at a conference and chatting with some friends about different famous Western women. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just became clear to me that although much had been said about Calamity Jane throughout history, I had not read a story about her that really delved into her whys mm-hmm. and who she really was. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I would think that, uh, yeah, considering how famous she is, I, I would have thought that had been done, but but I guess you're you're stepping into into new territory then. Well, it had been done and mm. many times and in many different ways. And I think that at first fascinated and then frustrated me because it seemed the more that was said about her, the less that was clear. Hmm. Interesting. So uh tell me then about this uh this novel. Um where does it does it go through her whole life or a segment of her life or, or what's your approach? Yes, it begins in her childhood, which very little is known about her. We do know where she was born and uh, that she was she was in a family that was not well regarded in her community hmm. in Missouri. Uh, they The family headed west when Martha Jane was about uh, six years old. Mm-hmm. And there are just little pinpoints of information. I relied heavily on uh, biographies and scholarship by those greater than myself, especially Richard Edelaine and James McLaird, who mm. were uh, historians who delved deeply into where Martha Jane was at different points in her life. Mm. So I followed what I considered to be key moments and places where mm. she had been located in the historical record. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um now, how much, so obviously you did do some research for this, but can you go into more detail about the research you did for this novel? 
as I said, most of my research was standing on the shoulders of others. Mm -hmm. I have been to many of the places mm -hmm. that I speak of in the novel because of my travels throughout the West. Mm -hmm. But I really depended on, on the legwork of these scholars because mm -hmm. they had gone into the newspapers, into the court records, into mm -hmm. the official documents, marriage licenses, all these things had already been done. So mm -hmm. there really wasn't much left for me to do. What... um so what places did he go to or have, had you been to that are part of her life? Well, of course, Deadwood is is a classic place in South Dakota where she's legendary. And I've been there. Uh, Yellowstone uh, Park, which, of course, wasn't a park then, but I've spent some time there. And I grew up in the West. I grew up in Colorado. <laughs> I'm a mountain girl. So writing about the landscape of the West, which was so much a part of Martha Jane's bell mm -hmm. came very naturally to me. Mm -hmm. um, I, of course, spent, I'd lived in South Dakota, spent a lot of time there. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, just generally the West was a big deal to Martha Jane mm -hmm. and to me. So what, uh, for people who aren't familiar with the character, what, what is it about her that, that made her famous? What did she do? Well, it depends on who you ask. And I think mm -hmm. this is where it became interesting. You mm -hmm. know, she... She was atypical for her age. She was she was probably more comfortable in the company of men than she was with women. Mm -hmm. She was pretty rowdy. She often dressed as a man, although there are many really interesting photos of her where she seemed to be trying to style herself as very feminine mm -hmm. as well. But uh, she she partied a lot. She was a drinker. She was what we would definitely call an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. But she became famous also by association with Wild Bill Hickok and Charlie yeah. Utter mm -hmm. and other famous characters of the West. And many people see her as primarily a sidekick to those sorts of people. Mm -hmm. But I see her as fascinating in her own right. Mm -hmm. Were there, um, and I'm not trying to create any controversy or something, but uh, were, oh, there, okay. were there parts in the research where... Um, as a woman writing about a, a female character, did you see in past uh, historical research, maybe because it's dominated by by male historians, did you find anything that that you said, hmm, wait a minute, you know, as a woman, I realized that this is actually the case or this is more likely than what they concluded? Yes, there. And I won't name the names of the magazines, but there were some magazine articles that I read where they largely dismissed Martha Jane and by saying, oh, she was only a prostitute. Mm -hmm. And and I, I found that pretty irritating, honestly, because I think that's one way that women were just categorized in the Western narrative when the reality of what they were experiencing may have involved telling themselves at some point, but that doesn't mean they are just a prostitute. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the things that we do in women writing the West is we try to take a closer look at what women were doing, how they were surviving in what was almost completely a man's world. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to run counter to that narrative a little bit, even if the historical research suggested did not prove, but suggested it's possible that there is some prostitution in her life. Mm -hmm. Do you think uh, right now that a character, you know, looking at her in this way, it's more um, people are more accepting now, you know, would be more interested in, in looking at, you know, the various angles of her life? 
Yes, I think people generally are a little more open to something not being just purely a black and white mm-hmm. moral question. I think they're more open to the the subtleties and also the complexities of what it is to survive as a woman in different periods in history. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's a great time to kind of come out and say, you know, this was a very complicated person. This mm-hmm. wasn't just a simple case. Mm-hmm. What... Um... What about how often, so I guess her life was unusual, but as far as sort of the circumstances and what she went through, um, where did you find other, uh, women in this period who like how, how commonplace was what she experienced? If that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I think, you know, given that her family, uh, traveled West Mm -hmm. to find a better life, that was very common. The fact that they fell on really hard times when they got to the Montana Territory and suffered a great deal of poverty mm-hmm. uh, uh, was very typical. I think the fact that many children did end up neglected and abused, as I theorize about Martha Jane, mm-hmm. I think that was also very common because these dreams that people had of making it big in the mining camps, camps almost took a terrible toll on a lot of families. So I think in her beginnings, it was very typical for families to suffer for their journey west. Mm -hmm. And then as she tried to make her way through the aftermath of that, it probably was very typical for young girls to end up working as servants uh, at a young age, as she did, uh, to have to resort to some shady ways of getting by. Mm-hmm. to survive because there were not a lot of options. Yeah. 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 It's kind of funny. You know, we call it the wild West, but I think sometimes people forget it's just as wild for women as it was for the men, you know, it really was. And I think women had to be pretty resourceful and resilient. And I found that in Martha Jane, uh, she, she was delightful in her, getting up and getting started again every time something went wrong. And yet she also suffered from addiction. So you can't overly romanticize her as a heroine either. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking with Kay Lynn Worth, author of The Not-So-Quiet Life of Calamity Jane. You can find more information about her work at net. If you like this podcast, Full Contact Nerd Interviews, so far, please subscribe. If you want daily book suggestions for new fiction and nonfiction studies in sci-fi, fantasy, horror, mysteries, gaming, game design, film history, and more, please check out my YouTube channel, Chris Alvarez, my website, chrisalvarez.com or fullcontactnerd.com, and my Twitch channel, Full Contact Nerd. If you're looking for new military and general history books and information, Check out warscholar.org, my YouTube channel, War Scholar, and my podcast, Military History Inside Out. If you want new technology, science, and space books, check out technologyandspace.com and my podcast, Technology and Space. Now back to the podcast. What, uh, what, what years did she live? Well, she was born in 1856. Hmm. She actually lied and said that she was older than that, which is an interesting comment on her character. Hmm. And it's possible that she did that to try to make herself 
more deeply embedded in the Western narrative. She wanted to be part of the old Wild West, so she made herself older than she was so that she was part of that history. Interesting. And, and she, when did she die? 1903 hmm. in Terry, South Dakota. She didn't live a long time. People believed she was much older than she was when she died hmm. because she had been pretty ravaged by alcoholism at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the things, so obviously you're into Western history and, and culture, and, and but what are um, some of the other things that uh, inspire you, and that can be books, music, film, TV, anything out there? Oh, well, I I play guitar. Oh, okay. Guitar when I was younger, and I, I do enjoy playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a background in visual arts. Okay. So I, I have some things back here that I've done. I, I guess I'm pretty devoted to the arts in general. Mm-hmm. That keeps me keeps me cycling through creatively. If I get stuck in one area, I go do something else for a while. <laughs> okay. What What do you like to play on the guitar? What sort of music? Well, I've gotten more into uh, just more contemporary fingerstyle guitar. I love Pepino D'Agostino's music. He's mm. a an Italian American that I I saw actually at a music fair in Minnesota. It was a wonderful outdoor concert, and I was just hooked on his music. Mm-hmm. I also have a favorite musician named Vin Downs, mm-hmm. who uh, lives out in Bayonne, New Jersey, and he's he has some beautiful music. So I try to play their compositions. Mm-hmm. It's a good challenge for me. Mm-hmm. Do you generally, um, doing these various artistic things, do you not watch a lot of TV then? Are you one of those who is more about working on personal projects than, than watching. Oh, I love movies. I, yeah. I really love movies. Mm-hmm. And I, I find it fascinating to, to read a book and then see a movie. And then sometimes I'm upset because I feel like they didn't do right by the book or, or vice versa. But I do enjoy movies a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and I think my writing is probably very visual as a result of that. Mm-hmm. So stepping back to the book, what did you, so Doing the research you did, you know, looking at what's been said, is there anything you came across that really surprised you about the character that you you didn't know about before? Yes, I was not aware that she was a mother. Hmm. That was that was a surprise to me, and I there were a few notes in the historical record that led me to feel that was reliable enough information that I could develop it in the fiction. Mm-hmm. So that was one surprise. Um, the fact that she had such a problematic relationship with her sister, mm-hmm. that was interesting to me. Um, I think there were many surprises about Martha Jane. I, you know, she had been so glossed over in, uh, you know, as Doris Day in the 50s. You know, there was such an image of her as this rowdy, happy person. <laughs> but then when you get into the reality of it, there's... There are uh, court documents that show that she was a victim of domestic violence, hmm. uh, which was surprising. Uh, she just, at every turn, it seemed like I was surprised by Martha Jane, and it just pulled me more and more into trying to find her voice. Mm-hmm. Did she write anything herself, or is it uh, is it more about other people writing about her, her contemporaries? Well, this was another thing that I found out about her, is that she was most likely not even able to write her own name. Mm. We, there's no evidence that she could read or write. 
which called into question many wonderful stories about her where they have her writing letters to people or or writing about herself. She did have an autobiography, a, a pamphlet that she sold on the street corners for money for alcohol, mm. but it's believed that she just walked into a printer and gave an oral account, which was mostly lies. And that's the other thing about Martha Jane. You couldn't trust a thing she said. But she did have this pamphlet that she sold that was pretty much verbatim her street corner performance that mm -hmm. she did. And she was a performer. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I guess in a sense, even the lies she told kind of reveal something about her character. That's a big part of my, my story is that there was a reason that she lied. And maybe more than one reason. I think one reason I already touched on, and that's because she wanted to embed herself in the narrative of the West that she loved. Mm -hmm. But I think some of it was, was a way of reclaiming herself and her voice. Because first of all, she'd had a terrible childhood, and who wants to dwell on that? So why not dress it up and say, mm -hmm. I was an adventurer. I, I led my family West in the, in the wagon train, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. But also, she was written about so much in the newspapers, mm -hmm. and so many things were said about her. I think, I believe there must have been a part of her that said, I'm going to tell my story, mm -hmm. even if it's not true. Yeah. I'm going to have my version. <laughs> yeah, because I imagine the papers were making up their own stories, too. You know, oh, <laughs> and dime novels were being written about her, even while she was alive. You know, not that she could read them, but she would hear about these things, that yeah. she had been an Indian fighter or she had gone on this expedition. And, and some of those things she folded into her own narrative because, hey, that's a good story. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I think she did live trapped between social rejection on the one hand because she did not behave as women were supposed to behave. Mm -hmm. And then this celebrity where other people were profiting from her story mm -hmm. and she didn't have any part of that and right. she lived in the middle so yeah. i think she took what she could so considering there are a lot of gaps in her life was there a particular gap or question that you had that you really were hoping to get an answer for and either finally did or maybe you're still curious something that really sticks out for you you know, this was a lot like playing dot to dot, you know, those puzzles we used to do when we were kids. And, and I found myself filling in a lot of gaps, mm -hmm. but I always tried to do that with at least some mention in a historical record. Her motherhood, I think, will always be a mystery to me. Mm -hmm. uh, the Without giving too much away, there were two children mentioned mm -hmm. in the record. The second of those grew up to be a young woman who actually thought that Martha Jane was her grandmother, which mm. puzzled me because how do you grow up thinking that your mother is your grandmother? Mm. So I, I worked with that and I did the best I could with it. Right. Um, at some point there was an abandonment of that child and I, I had to wrestle with that too. Mm -hmm. you know, what was really going on? So that will always probably remain an unsettled question in me, although I did try to answer it in a believable way. Even if she were a completely fictitious character, just the stuff you're talking about is, would still be fascinating to read. Oh, you know? <laughs> there's no end to it. I, 
as I finished this way of telling her story, I felt very satisfied with it, but I realized I could probably go back into the records, pick a completely different set of events, and tell another whole version of her life, because there's enough mention of where she was and what she was doing. It's fascinating to explore. Mm -hmm. And not to, again, I don't want you to reveal anything, but was there any particular thing you discovered that had a really strong emotional impact on you, either positive or negative? Yes. I, the first thing that comes to mind is the fact that she was a battered wife. Hmm. Uh, that, that truly impacted me. I had not realized uh, any of that about her, but there were court records where she faced her accuser, and uh, that was that was shocking. And yet, it brought her very much into focus for me because I know many women who have suffered that as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Now, let me turn to uh, your writing process. Uh, do you, is there anything? Or actually, let me step back. There is one more question I, I want to ask about okay. the book. Looking at the aesthetic or the tone or the feel of the book, is there, what would the uh, the musical soundtrack to the book be if it had one? Oh, that's a good question. Well, it would have to be an old style, probably an old style dance tune hmm. from the late 1800s. Because mm -hmm. I saw Martha Jane as a person who would be most at home in a saloon with the guys mm -hmm. drinking, dancing, having a very good time. And I tried to capture some of that, that music in the language of the book. This is not written in a scholarly tone mm -hmm. there. I, I tried to take seasonings of the dialect or the, what would have been the slang of the day without overdoing it mm -hmm. so that it became too much. But this is this is a book of a common woman who would much rather dance all night than go to church. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So was her time as a performer, was that more just work for her, or, or did you get the sense she enjoyed it, or was it all just about making money to have fun? <laughs> you know, I think there were times when she worked as a dance hall girl. Mm -hmm. uh, I I don't know how much she enjoyed it, but I have a feeling that she did have a joy in living, mm -hmm. especially when she was in her 20s before the alcoholism became the controlling force in her life. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's good reason to believe she would sneak out at night when she was working at a boarding house and was supposed to be a good girl. She would sneak out at night and go dancing. I think mm -hmm. I think Martha Jane had a good sense of fun mm -hmm. uh, and uh that's why she didn't get along really well with a lot of women because she wasn't behaving. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So now, so your writing process, um, yes. is there anything out of the ordinary in your, in your mind that you do to either, uh, complete your drafts or, or, or the final draft? Out of the ordinary, I guess the way I do it mm -hmm. and is, I tend to do a lot of research up front, mm -hmm. and I've heard a lot of people say they just start the story, but I like to surround myself with a sense of place mm -hmm. and time and characters, and then when I dive into the person, then the plot comes out of character. Mm -hmm. 
I don't start necessarily with a plot. Now, in this case, that was very much true because her plot was already established. I knew how it was going to end. I I didn't have a lot of choices as far as the the arc of the story. Mm-hmm. So it was all about going deep into the character. But most of my books are about that, I think. Mm-hmm. How about um, the creation of side characters in the book? Um, you know, at some point you have to sort of create people that don't exist. How, how do you approach that? How do you balance that? Now, I was fortunate that most of the characters that I was able to include in this story mm-hmm. were real people. Her siblings, I had to fictionalize maybe a couple of them because the historical record wasn't clear. Mm-hmm. But almost all the characters in this one were real. And that felt important to me mm-hmm. because Martha Jane didn't have a lot of consistent relationships in her life. Mm-hmm. So I tried to really emphasize uh those that she did have. Now, one of those famous relationships that gets misrepresented a lot is the one with Wild Bill Hickok. Mm-hmm. So I tried to be as close to the historical record on that as I could be. Mm-hmm. Fictional characters, I did have a few um, just people who probably would have had to shown up mm-hmm. to be there for her at mm-hmm. given times. They served a purpose, mm-hmm. but then it's a matter of trying to be true to that place with them too. Mm-hmm. So how you, you've done a lot of writing. Um, how has your approach to writing changed over time from when you, when, when did you first start writing? Oh, well, I began to seriously start to write novels um, in, oh golly, mid eighties, mm-hmm. the mid eighties. Um, when my children were small, I would get up at three in the morning and try to write before they woke up. Wow! <laughs> I was, and I had a I had an old uh, IBM typewriter, and I would get up at three in the morning and and type in the on the cold front porch. It's a great story, you know. But I I I really fell in love with writing under the uh, mentorship of one of my professors in college who encouraged me and thought I had a voice. Mm-hmm. So uh, now as far as what has changed, mm-hmm. I, I go, I go more deeply into voice mm-hmm. probably than I used to. I think I've, I've found a way of exploring characters. And as I said, then finding the plot from mm-hmm. instead of laying out a plot. Like I, I used to try to write a story and then weave the characters into it. So it sort of flipped on me. So when you say, um, since you have focused on voice, can you go into a little more depth about what you think was lacking and what you think you added over time? I guess I'm trying to get more of a definition of what exactly is voice. You know, it's kind of amorphous maybe, but. Right, right. I write sort of a pretty balanced combination of third-person point of view and first-person point of view. So voice means two things. There's my voice, which comes into the narrative in different ways, depending on which part. Now, this book, for example, has some third-person point of view sections, Mm -hmm. and then there are parts that are in Martha Jane's voice, as if she were speaking. Mm -hmm. All of those have my voice coming through, obviously, with the dialect, with the 
the tone that is the same. Mm-hmm. So voice, I think, can mean different things when authors talk about it. They can be talking about their own voice as narrator. But in this book, it was especially important to me to think about the character psychologically, to think about her as a person in her time, not in my time, mm-hmm. and to think how she would have expressed herself. Mm-hmm. And that's the voice I was really after in this book. Mm-hmm. Do you ever read your writing out loud to see how it sounds to the ear? All the time. Mm -hmm. All the time. Because there's a music to it. Mm -hmm. There has to be a rhythm. And you can't really see that on the page or in your head. So, yes, I read aloud a lot. Mm -hmm. Do you write, like, as you're writing it or, you know, like, by paragraph? Or do you wait till you finish a whole chapter and then decide to, to see if it feels, it flows smoothly? Throughout. I usually wait and just let it all come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't edit much as I go. I just generate mm-hmm. and get it all down on the page. And then, yes, at the end of the chapter, I go back and I read it out loud and 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 make a few a few decisions about it. But there's a thing about momentum, and I think a lot of writers will tell you that that if you're on a on a roll, you don't want to start editing too soon. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you, are you the type to underwrite or overwrite and edit, edit a lot? That's one thing that has changed also in my writing process. I used to write, you know, 150,000 word drafts and then have to chop a lot out. Hmm. I think I'm a little more in control of the narrative now, so I can usually write to the, the amount that I feel the story will demand or the or that the publisher would want because mm-hmm. that becomes a big issue. You know, if you write 150,000 words, then you have that agonizing process of trying to dispose of it. So no. I uh, try to avoid that. How many words is this, this novel? I think this one is More not less. terribly long. I think it came out to be 88,000 words. Mm-hmm. So, so it's about, well, so, I've got it set up here at about 300 pages. Right, right. I'm speaking with Kaylin Worth, author of The Not-So-Quiet Life of Calamity Jane. You can find more information about her work at kaylinworth.net. If you like this podcast, Full Contact Nerd Interviews, so far, please subscribe. If you want daily book suggestions for new fiction and nonfiction studies in sci-fi, fantasy, horror, mysteries, gaming, game design, film history, and more, Please check out my YouTube channel, Chris Alvarez, my website, chrisalvarez.com or fullcontactnerd.com, and my Twitch channel, Full Contact Nerd. If you're looking for new military and general history books and information, check out warscholar.org, my YouTube channel, Warscholar, and my podcast, Military History Inside Out. If you want new technology, science, and space books, Check out technologyandspace.com and my podcast, Technology and Space. Now back to the podcast. Your writing, is it mostly Western focused or, or is there a range? It mostly, yeah, I would say everything I've published at this point it takes place either on the Great Plains or the American West. Mm-hmm. And that began because uh, I was born in Nebraska and my family's roots and 
memories are in the Republican River Valley of Nebraska. Hmm. And that's what I started writing about first. Mm-hmm. As the, so I, I started doing the history of that region, found out there was a hellacious flood in that valley at one point. So I wrote about that. And, it, hmm. and, and then, as I said, I became involved with this wonderful group of women who write about the West. And hmm. being from Colorado, I felt like I found my group. So, mm-hmm. so yes, I do mostly focus on the West. And is it mostly um, fiction? And it sounds like you've written a little bit of history, like some his- well, history articles. It's all fiction. It's mm-hmm. all fiction. But I, I do the historical research to mm-hmm. bring around the story. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you me- if what you mentioned, like the flood, if that's something you ended up writing an article for, for someone. No. Okay. No, that just takes place in one of my novels. So. Okay. Okay. How many novels have you written that take place where you grew up? Uh, there, are, there are four Nebraska novels. Mm-hmm. I just released one last November. Mm-hmm. And, and then this, this particular book about Calamity Jane is probably the only one that you would call a Western mm-hmm. novel because it has to do with, you know, the Deadwood and the, the Old West of the late 1800s. Okay. Okay. So you mentioned some of the sort of the other, um, stuff you've done. Um, actually, uh, have you done other work that's influenced how or what you write any non-writing work? Oh, wow. Yes. I, my, my first published short story was actually a result of my work as an emergency medical technician. Huh. Uh, in a small town mm-hmm. and the short story was called the things you do and it was about an ambulance call that i well a fictionalization of an ambulance call that i went on mm-hmm. so i that was one of my first stories when my children were young uh, i also worked for a short time as a physician's assistant so I've, i have a background in medical training which has really influenced my my view of people mm-hmm. and you know, you study the psychology, you study the physiology, and you, you get a whole different view of why people are the way they are. Mm-hmm. So those things influenced me a great deal. Do you ever, do you get into the details of that sort of work in any of your, your fiction? You know, like, you know how police procedurals get into details right. about that. Do you ever do that? I haven't yet, although things, I think it's very pervasive. For example, you know, Martha Jane took care of patients during the smallpox epidemic in Deadwood. And so mm-hmm. having a background in medicine helped me just be, have a better feeling for what she would be doing to take care of patients. Yeah. Huh. So that's sort of, it, it creeps in, I guess is what I would say. And I, I do have a character who's a, a woman doctor in one of the novels. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that one takes, so that's uh, sort of takes place in contemporary times. Well, the Nebraska novels take place uh, between 1900 and 1968. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so more contemporary. Okay. This I generally ask with my fantasy and sci-fi authors, but but it could still apply yeah. here. Um, sure. When you were young, was there any? Uh, did you have any fictional setting or something fantastic uh, that you you wanted some kind of power or a place that you you? imagine being in or living in 
you know, I lived in a place for a while that seemed very magical and fantastic to me. And it has grown even more so because I never went back. When I was uh, three years old, my family moved down to uh, the Big Thicket area in Texas. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a national preserve now, but when we moved down there, if you can imagine a little girl from Nebraska moving into the no. southern southeast Texas where there were snapping turtles and several varieties of poisonous snakes and wild hogs and bios with alligators. And, <laughs> and it was just epic. And so, you know, I and I've tried to write about it a few times, but I don't know if I'm enough of a native to really capture it. But I think it gave me a sense of of what is strange. You know, it's whatever you're not used to. I'm sure my friends who grew up there were like, oh, yeah, wild hogs, you know, but I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so and I and I are interested in pushing the boundaries of what is real and what is not real. And I, although I didn't do that in this particular book, the one that I published in November was kind of my first venture into a little bit of magical realism uh. where I, 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 I love Neil Gaiman. I, I discovered him in the last several years, and and he really challenges me to think more about that boundary between what what we think we're happening and then where our senses can take us. So, mm-hmm. yes, I, I find that more intriguing the older I get. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So, is Nebraska is Nebraska? I I imagine as being pretty um, flat. I've been through it a couple times, but it's just flat with fields extending. You know. It is southern, yeah, southern Nebraska, where my family uh, settled. They were there from about the 1930s through the 70s, so they weren't there a long time. But they were in this little river valley, the Republican River. So yes, it's flat as can be, and then all of a sudden you get this wonderful little hilly region where the river goes through. So it's quite charming. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of history there. The Pawnee. Mm-hmm. were the Native American presence in that area. So I found myself touching on that in the books. But, yeah, it's pretty flat in Nebraska. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, they have a lot of history. I think both Kansas and Nebraska um, really uh, like history. You know, you see a lot of yeah. history there. You do. You do. It's very, very important part of the movement west. Uh, there is, it, it, but it's often overlooked by writers. There's... There's far less writing about Nebraska, say, than there is about Colorado. And I think that challenged me, too, to go a little more deeply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So did you have any difficulties finishing this book or getting it published? No. This book was was so delightful. The only, the only difficulty I had probably was self-inflicted, and that was... Mm-hmm when I got about two thirds of the way through Martha Jane's life mm-hmm. and had to face the reality of her, basically her self-destruction, I wanted to redeem her somehow. I wanted to, you know, bring some big, wonderful layer of meaning and, you know, something that wasn't real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to wrestle with that in myself mm-hmm. and I had to uh, just let Martha Jane be Martha Jane. She made, there are very few things that we have on the record that she actually said. But one of the things that she did say that guided me toward the end was there was a reformer who took charge of Martha Jane late in her life 
who was going to straighten her out, dry her out, get her off the whiskey, and get her into a productive life. Mm-hmm. And Martha Jane went along with it as long as it was profitable, but then she finally said, I want you to just let me go to hell by my own route. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. so I, you know, and I felt like she was kind of saying that to me too, as mm. as if I was going to take it on myself yeah. to be her storyteller. Mm-hmm. I had to be true to that element of her character and her voice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I couldn't help but try to give her something that she wanted at mm. the end of her life. But that was Martha Jane. Mm-hmm. You know, she did not want people telling her what to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it sounds like she no. expected to go to hell no matter what. She was well, you know, I I don't know if she believed in a physical hell, but I think she she was so judged in her life by by pious people. I think mm. she just like just let me go to hell then, you know, just just mm. worn out with it. Yeah. As far as the book getting published, I was very blessed because I uh, I sent it to one publisher and they accepted it. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because, boy, have I had a lot of rejections in my life. I have sent, I, I like to say I've been rejected by the finest publishing houses in the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Five Star was a good fit. So when I sent them the book, they were very gracious to accept it. Oh, good, good. <laughs> yeah. um, so what's your, uh, what's your current or next writing project? Well, you know, I'm currently trying to fall in love with another character, which is very hard after after Martha Jane because she really took me on a ride. She was uh, hard to understand. She was challenging in all the right ways. She had all the drama, all the conflict, uh, and it's hard to find an act after her. Hmm. So I'm still doing a lot of research. I'm looking into one woman. Uh, who is a pioneer, the first woman to cross the Missouri River very, very early on. She was back in the 1820s. I don't know. I'm kind of fishing right now. I'd like to say I know exactly what I'm going to do next, but you have to fall in love with, for me, I have to fall in love with the character. Mm-hmm. And I'm still working on that. So. Mm-hmm. And you said you live in Colorado now? No, I grew up in, I was in Texas, and then I grew up in Colorado. Now, I'm in Illinois, which makes the Western thing a little harder. So I'm (laughs) looking locally for early pioneers who came through Illinois. I like doing the local research if I can. Mm -hmm. Because I was going to ask if you've written anything set in Colorado. I haven't yet. Mm And that's, there is... I know many women through my organization I mentioned who write about Colorado and do it so well, hmm. but I haven't yet done hmm. that. Okay. Okay. Is there, do you have a, a presence online? Do you have social media or website? Yes, I do. It's kaylinworth.net. Mm-hmm. I have uh, that site and then I'm on Facebook too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I'll, I'll spell that for listeners. It's K-L-Y-N-W-U-R-T-H dot net, you said, right? That's correct. Yes, thank you. Okay. Um, that's all the questions I have. Do you have any uh, final thoughts or words? No, I, I 
Thank you so much for this interview. It's been delightful to talk about Martha. I, I will say one thing. The, the readers will notice that I call her Martha Jane at some times and Calamity at other times. And that is intentional because she had sort of a split a split identity that was fun to explore. And I hope that readers will enjoy both sides of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was curious about that. Obviously, you were using her name, but she's known as yeah. Calamity, so I was just curious about that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Kind of the private and public personas mm-hmm. enter in. So. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for speaking with me. Well, thank you, Chris. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> thank you for listening to Full Contact Nerd Interviews. If you like this episode, please subscribe for more. If you want daily book suggestions for new fiction and non-fiction studies in sci-fi, fantasy, horror, mysteries, gaming, game design, film history, and more, please check out my YouTube channel, Chris Alvarez, my website, chrisalvarez.com, or fullcontactnerd.com, and my Twitch channel, Full Contact Nerd. If you're looking for new military and general history books and information, Check out WarScholar.org, my YouTube channel, WarScholar, and my podcast, Military History Inside Out. If you want new technology, science, and space books, check out technologyandspace.com and my podcast, Technology and Space. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to keep imagining the past, the present, and the future. <laughs>